This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, we had a pod before OTAs. We have a pod after, well, (laughs) not OTAs, but the media portion of OTAs, because now we got to talk about everything we actually saw, Matt. I mean, we talked about what we might see, what it would look like. We made some predictions. And now we can actually talk about what we did see here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It was good to be back out there, though, on Tuesday for sure. It was incredible to be back out there because for everybody who is listening, the first time the Bills had an OTA practice earlier in the offseason, we were not allowed to actually watch the practice. We talked to the guys, but, Sal, we didn't watch the practice. So when we went out on the practice field on Tuesday, it felt like old times again getting out on the field, having the sun come down and hit you in the face, watching the guys practice and everything. It took me back to football. I missed it. Mm -hmm. I missed that feeling. It was good to actually – I know it's very loose what we're calling football here. Guys in shorts and T-shirts and, you know, jerseys and not really the full equipment, but it was still really cool to be back out there. It was great, and it felt like a training camp practice to me. And I say that because it was – energetic it was crisp and i think that they kind of did everything they normally do except for the hitting part of course you can't hit people but even some training camp practices you're you know kind of more of a hey lay off a little bit but it felt like they were hitting the ground running so to speak which i guess shouldn't be a surprise right this is a team that is loaded with veterans loaded with guys who've been around a while it's a coaching staff that's been around a long time together so it's not like they're you know they have to ramp up and kind of teach new things and install new things. Yes, there's some of that that goes on, especially with a new defensive coordinator and Sean McDermott and play caller. But honestly, Matt, I think that they're at a point already here in the at the end of May where it's like, hey, we do a little bit of classroom work and then we go on the field and we are ready to rock and roll. I think for me, going out there reminded me how deep of a team they have. You yeah. know what I mean? You go out there and you're watching the guys warm up. So what happens is they'll do a stretch, an individual drill, and then they'll all run over to one side of the field. And the offense will line up in one big line. The defense will line up in one big line. And you're just kind of looking at all of the guys there. And you're going down the line. And you're like, wow, that guy's good. That guy's good. That guy's good. You forget how talented they are. I think when most people think of the Bills, most of the people I'm sure who listen to this podcast are very big Bills fans. But outside of the Bills bubble, you go to Josh Allen, you go to Stefan Diggs, and then maybe you go to Von Miller and a couple of the guys on the defense. But from top to bottom, if you're just talking about their 22 starters, maybe you can say the linebacker spot because Matt Milano was also a notable absence from the practice. So they were kind of rotating in guys there. 
besides the linebacker spot, there's really not a weak link on the team, or at least I don't think there is, because I think if you went back to last year, you would say, what was the weak link? It was the offensive line play. I think they did a lot to address that this year. So you see McGovern out there. You see Torrance out there. You see kind of the rotation going. We're expecting more from Deion Dawkins. And then when you see them all lining up in a practice, even without Diggs and Milano, you're like, yeah, these guys are pretty talented. They've got some serious talent on this roster. They do. I still think that they, they arguably have the best overall roster in the NFL. I mean, it's debatable. I think the Eagles roster is really good. The Chiefs, of course, roster is really good. There's several teams that lay the clay, could lay claim to that, but I think the Bills are right in that mix for the discussion of best top-to-bottom roster. And then when you add on one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think that's why they're obviously in the discussion once again as one of the top three, four, five at worst teams as far as betting odds to win the Super Bowl. I think usually they're three or four if you look at most Vegas odds. Let's talk about Guys being absent, guys not being there. We made a prediction on Stefan Diggs. We were both right. He did not mm-hmm. show up to voluntary OTAs. And, of course, it is voluntary. Um, you know, there's still going to be a talk about it. There's still going to be a story about it until he shows up. Uh, he, let's see. what well, We don't know when that's going to happen. Von Miller, I thought, was very eloquent on it. He was asked after to give his perspective. And he said, hey, he's a superstar on and off the field. Nobody really questions anything about that. Like, he, he went into it for a little over a minute. And. It was all the nice stuff that you would hear a, a guy say about their teammate who they believe, hey, when he gets here, he's ready to rock and roll. No issue whatsoever about it. And I wouldn't expect anything different from a guy like Von Miller. Josh Allen basically said the same thing. And Josh even said, hey, without him here, some guys are getting some reps that are pretty valuable that he they wouldn't get if he was here. So that obviously matters as well. He pointed to Trent Sherfield, who we could talk about as far as him being impressed with him. But that was the most notable absent along with Matt Milano. But I will tell you just – Matt Milano, for everybody to know, he's been at everything so far. So I'm guessing he'll be here in short order. Uh, He just Mm -hmm. wasn't on the field when we were there Tuesday, but he's been at every other workout that I know of. Yeah, the only other notable name that was not there is Latavius Murray, right? I can't think of anybody else. Am I missing anybody? Yes, um, there was Greg Manns. That was was it. Latavius Murray, Greg Manns, Matt Milano, and Stefan Diggs. So shout out, really, for incredible attendance across the board from the Bills. That's That's really, really good to have just four guys who are not there for, once again, voluntary workouts. I think uh, Von Miller kind of poured some water on any flames that were out there with the Stefan Diggs stuff. I never really thought it was a big deal. We talked about on the last podcast how we think that he needs to say something, but that also doesn't mean that it's a big deal. You just need to hear him say, It's not a big deal, which I think is ultimately going to happen. I almost get the sense, though, that he's not showing up till mandatory minicamp, which still not the end of the world, whatever. But the way Vaughn was talking about it, we both kind of thought, okay, he won't be there for the first one. Maybe he shows up for the second one or something like that. I kind of get the sense now that he's probably not going to be there from any of the voluntary workouts. But like he said, Vaughn said it better than I can say it. He's a superstar. I have no doubts that Stefan Diggs will be ready to play football once things get cooking again. And I think he's just going to kind of pick up where he left off. I think that he really just is frustrated with how the season ended. And for a guy to be competitive like that, for a guy to be fiery like that, I think that's what makes Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs. If he didn't have that edge, if he didn't have that fire in him, he's probably not half the player that he is. And also, you know, Josh Allen, king, king of the kind of positive spin on things. But there is something to be said about those other guys getting looks and getting reps because they're not going to get as many reps when Stefan Diggs is there. Like Trent Sherfield isn't going to get kind of featured as much as he was on Tuesday when Diggs is there. But that is a good opportunity for really all of them, for Josh and for the other wide receivers. You know, when I say 
which we both did last podcast, when I say, you know, Stefan needs to address what happened at the end of the season. That's just something that needs to happen. I'm not coming from a place of, oh, my God, we got to hear from him. What happened? Dig mm-hmm. in, you know, FB, CSI investigation. The biggest reason I say it, Matt, is I think it will just be better for the whole team once it's done. That nobody mm-hmm. has to worry about it anymore. Nobody has to question it anymore. It's not a distraction. It's not a talking point. I don't think it goes away until that happens. You know what I mean? I think that's why, to me, it's important he says something. It's not that, yeah. oh, my God, we got to hear from Stefan Diggs. I can't believe this guy. That's not why. To me, it's, hey, the quicker this can be done, the quicker they can get on with football and not, not having to hear about it anymore. I tend to agree with that. And I do think that once that happens, it's going to go away. And this yep. is also, once again, coming from the scope of people who cover the bills, people who follow the bills for a living and fans out there who care about the bills. The Stefan Diggs situation is not by any stretch a national story right now. It's not something that's dominating the headlines around the league. I think it's just something that's here in Buffalo. People are wondering, when are we going to see Stefan Diggs? When's he going to come back? But this has not reached the magnitude of, you know, oh my goodness, this is a really big deal that he's not here. Let me ask you this. This is a nice little exercise really for, you know, people who cover the team and people who follow the team along. We went out to practice on Tuesday, practice ends, and we had our executive producer there with us. And that's not normal, but, you know, we're trying a couple new things here at Channel 7. And I asked him, what do you think the biggest story from the day is? What do you think the biggest story from the day was, from phase two, day one of OTAs? What was the biggest thing you took away? The biggest thing I took away or the biggest story? Because I think those could be two different things. Let's say biggest story, and then we'll talk about our biggest takeaways. Biggest story. Um, was it Damar? Mm, I think for a lot of people it is. Yeah. Yeah, probably because, you know, Matt, what was interesting to me was we were told that everything's good, right? He's cleared just like everybody else, like the doctors cleared him and all that. And I was kind of surprised that he wasn't practicing unless it was a new injury. Like if it's related to everything that happened with him, that kind of was a surprise to me because from what we had heard, that wouldn't be the case. Like he's just going to be inserted and play just like everybody else. And that was what I think I took away from the previous press conferences, which obviously wasn't the case. I still actually though, feel like it was a step in the right direction, even though he wasn't a full participant. When we talked to Sean the morning of Tuesday, when we went out to OTAs, he said that he was not going to be practicing, but then we got out onto the field and he was there with his teammates. And then he was kind of doing individual stuff. Now, if this was a regular season, he would have been listed probably as limited. He was not a full participant. But given where he was, the fact that he's going out there and hitting the sleds and he's you know running routes with the defensive backs and stuff like that, I think there is something to be said about him being farther along in this process than originally anticipated. So, yeah, maybe it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't a full participant, given what we heard during the last OTAs but I still took it as a step in the right direction. Was that your answer? That was the biggest story of the day when your executive producer asked you. So we kind of, we kind of settled on, there wasn't one big story. So Mm -hmm. let's hit multiple things briefly. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, when you're dealing with a local news segment, you're talking about a minute and a half, two minutes. So it was Mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. So I think we said something along the lines of, you know, Stefan Diggs isn't here, but we are, his teammates don't seem to care. We heard from Von Miller. Then it was like, you know, who was there? Uh, Damar Hamlin, but he wasn't a full participant. Still, though, a step in the right direction. Then there was something from Sean, and then it was, oh, look, Josh Allen. And if you want to know why people care so much about Josh Allen, I posted a quick 
74-second video of Josh Allen, okay? Very quick. These numbers are not earth-shattering. These are not regular season numbers by any stretch. Don't overestimate because I don't want to make it seem like this is crazy. How many people do you think viewed that 74-second video of Josh Allen on Twitter? Mm, over the last 24 hours, I guess, right? Since it's since, yeah. since we're, we're recording this? Uh, 15,000. 153,000. Hundred and fifty-three thousand people watched a video of Josh Allen practicing on the field. That's how much hunger there is for Bills football to be back. That's also just how great the fan base is. Like that you can just post a video of Josh Allen throwing at a net and throwing to players, and people are like, Oh my gosh, look at Josh Allen. I got like dietitians in the comments that are like, he looks pretty lean. I got people <laughs> who are talking about his throwing it. motion. I got great. a little bit of everything in the comments. <sighs> Well, speaking of Josh Allen, he was very impressed with one player, and I'll tell you who what I took away from OTAs on Tuesday. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The story that I wrote at WGR550.com was about the people who made impressions on me. You asked what I took away, Matt. Yes. From OTAs and the people I that know made who impressions gonna, on me. I know who you're going to say as your first person because I think it'd be the same person for me. I don't know if it'd be the first person, but the three people that I have. Ooh. Is Can your I first guess? person offense or defense? Can I guess? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say you had two offense and one defense. Um, Vice versa. I had two defense, one offense. Okay. My guess is the offensive person was Trent Sherfield. Incorrect. Oh, right position. For, for Josh Allen, it was Trent Sherfield. For mm-hmm. me, it was Gabe Davis. Okay. Gabe Davis a- was making catches, man, everywhere. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. it is important to note a few things here. We have to tell everybody, tell everybody. Obviously, there's no hitting. The DBs are not breaking passes up by making contact. Mm-hmm. If the play is close, they're going to allow the catch to be made, just so yeah. everybody knows. They're trying to be in position. The other thing is we cannot tell you where people were lining up. We can't tell no. you what happened on a certain play. A guy came out of the backfield. A guy was running a certain route. He lined up in the slot. We can't tell you all of that. That's just normal reporting rules. We can tell you that Sean McDermott said Dorian Williams is playing some middle linebacker. That's what he mm-hmm. said. We can tell you that John Butler said Christian Benford is a cornerback, but he has all the prerequisites to line up at safety if they need him. We can tell you all of that. I will tell you Gabe Davis was a beast from what yeah. I saw. The two guys on defense that impressed me, one was Taylor Rapp. Now, mm-hmm. I would, I think it's easy to say, I don't, this isn't like state secrets. Without Jordan Poyer, who was there but not participating, or DeMar Hamlin, who was there and not participating, you know, obviously you're going to get more reps for guys like Taylor Rapp. They're just going to be mm-hmm. in the, on the field a little bit more. They don't have as many yeah. guys out there. Matt, he was around the ball a lot. Yeah. He, was around, yeah. he was where he needed to be a lot. And the other guy that I was 
very impressed with, and it puts a smile on my face to talk about it. I think Tredavious White looked like old, confident Trey to me, the yep. way he was moving out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't even just the way it was moving; it was also the way he was carrying himself. It yes, almost was 100%. like a fla- it was almost like a flashback to twenty twenty one before yep. the injury. One of the things we talked about on the last podcast was some of the things we look for at an OTA practice, and one of the things I said was I look to see what the leaders are doing, how they're carrying themselves, who they're hanging around with, what their kind of general vibe is. Trey had the juice back. Trey yep. looks like the old Trey, laughing, joking around, giving a hard time to other people, getting in the face of some of his teammates, chirping a little bit here and there, all in good fun. But I agree with you that there was just kind of this new sense of like, okay, he's back. Now we need to see it in a game. We need to see it continuously, not yeah. one good game. We need to see a stretch here. I think you hit it on Trey. I appreciate what you said about Taylor Rapp. I think it's very clear Taylor Rapp is here to play football. He is not here to be on the bench and be a depth player. They will get him on the field in unique ways that we have not seen in years past. There's two other players that I want to highlight. One of them, just being from strictly his stature, and this is defensively I'm talking about, Puna Ford is massive. He is a (laughs) massive human being. Like He's basically the same height as me. But I remember I was over by where they were warming up, the defensive lineman, and I'm like, wow, that guy is really big. You know who else is a freak just like athletically? Shane Ray. Did you look at him at all? I I didn't really zero in on him. I'm glad you brought him up because I didn't get a chance to really zero in on him. But it doesn't surprise me what you're saying because, I mean, this is a former first-round pick who had a very illustrious career as an edge rusher at Missouri. Yeah. You know, the reason I think the first reason why I noticed Shane Ray was because he was wearing number 49. So I looked right. and I saw number 49. Yes. And it almost took me back a little bit. I'm like, that's not Tremaine. And then you look at him and they were doing this drill and I posted the video on social media. It's not like it's, you know, anything yeah. crazy, but he hits the sled and just throws it to the mm-hmm. side. Like I would throw like a stuffed animal off to the side. He threw a sled and I'm just like, wow, this guy's big. And then while we were having a press conference with Von Miller, Shane Ray walked out of the locker room because he was doing an interview with somebody. And I just looked at him and I'm like, that guy is huge. And it was him. So I I don't want to set the bar too high for this guy. He has not played in the NFL in a long, long time. But maybe they're going to hit, I don't want to say a home run with Shane Ray, but maybe you hit a single or a double and the guy ends up making your team because there is a position to kind of be had at that spot. He is listed as 6'3", 255. So he is he's a... Big, he's, he's, he's bigger he's than super six, athletic, right? right? He's super athletic, he, no doubt. Yeah, he's, he's bigger than that. Um, So everybody knows, we talked about DeMar. With they're, not, they're not participating. Jordan Poyer was there, didn't participate. He was just basically helping out, like kind of like a coach on the sidelines. Didn't look like he had anything necessarily wrong with him, but, you know, yeah. whatever the reason was. Mitch Morse came out a little bit later, so whatever was happening there, he was there, but he didn't participate. Uh, Jordan Phillips was on the side with trainers yeah. during the during the workout, and Von Miller was there, and he was being GM Von. Basically, he wasn't participating. He was all over the field, talk with everybody. So you had five players uh, who were there and, and and not participating, but a part of it. Then we also had you know Sean McDermott, and you know trying to see if if he's doing anything different. Now I didn't notice him do anything different. Whether that's taking any light off of himself to give to somebody else. But I thought it was interesting. He gave some insight, Matt, which is, yeah, like in a two-minute drill, normally he spots the ball and he lets the guy, he kind of plays referee as the coaches do their thing. That's not going to happen this year. 
he's calling the defense. He's got to call mm-hmm. the play. He's going to have Matthew Smiley spot the ball basically and do yeah. that. So it is going to be a little bit different as we, like if you go out to fans here listening, if you go out to training camp, you might see a little bit of a Sean McDermott type of you know way he goes about practice himself. Yeah, it was interesting that one of the things Josh Allen brought up as far as Sean McDermott is concerned is Sean was, or Josh was saying that they're talking a little junk back and forth now that he's the one calling plays on defense. Like Josh is going to try and expose him when they're during practice and Sean is going to try and make Josh look bad or make some mistakes, which, you know, I know the cliche that they always throw out there is iron sharpens iron, but maybe that will turn into a little bit of something that's fun to kind of watch. I also asked Sean during the press conference what he misses most about kind of being a defensive coordinator, going back to his roots a little bit. And he said that, and I agree with this, the job of a head coach is a leadership job. You have to kind of watch over everything that's happening on the football team. And you have to kind of be paying attention to a little bit of everything. He's still the head coach. That is still his primary focus. But my guess would be that on the day to day now, He's thinking a lot more about the defense than he's thinking about what the other stuff was back in the day. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like I've said multiple times, I like that, you know, there's going to be some accountability tied to this. If the defense is good, then Sean is really, really good at being a head coach and calling plays defensively. And if they're not, then maybe you need to end this experiment and you need to bring in a legitimate defensive coordinator next season. So I'm really interested to see how this trial goes, but I I do like it. I really do think that they have the potential with the personnel they have and with McDermott calling the plays to be as dominant as they've been in, I don't know, since 2019. That's what they ultimately need to get back to. If you can come, I know on paper, the defense has been very good for very long, but I've always said, if you could combine the 2019 defense with the offense of 2020 or even 2021, that team wins the Super Bowl. That's where they need to get to. And I know that's not an easy thing to figure out, but my goodness, would it be scary if that's something they can pull off? Yeah, I agree with you about the combination of McDermott and the personnel and just my respect for him as an offensive play caller. I, should, I shouldn't say it that way. We haven't seen it. as a as a defensive head coach, the defensive mind. Um, it, I have a lot of respect for him, and I do think that this is going to be a really interesting change. It could be a very beneficial one, but we'll see because I think that the question is going to be for everybody how he manages all that stuff while still being the head coach and making those decisions on challenges and timeouts and all those other things that go into the day-to-day operation, the uh, game day on Sunday operation. So we'll see how all that turns out. In the meantime, the Bills are back at OTAs all the rest of this week as we talk. They have, well, three days this week. They have three days next week, three days the week after. So. They basically have three full weeks of OTAs and then they have a mandatory mini camp on the fourth week. And then that's going to be it. We are only out there every Tuesday as a media to talk to these guys, to kind of get some quotes from coaches and players and to show you some video and to talk about what we see. And again, we can only talk about certain things that we see that will change at mandatory mini camp though. We can actually watch all three days and be out there a little bit more, even though we can't still report on a lot of things that we see while we are out there on Tuesday, The NFL passed yet another rule. We talked about two of them, and then another one passed. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matt. So the NFL has now passed the fair catch on a kickoff rule. This is the college rule, essentially. Yeah. What's going to happen now is if a team pooches a kickoff or just tries to get you down to the five or inside the 10 or whatever, if the kick returner fair catches it, which, by the way, you could always fair catch a kickoff. It's always been allowed. The difference mm-hmm. is you'd get the ball there, whereas now if you're inside the 25-yard line, it goes right to the 25-yard line. It's essentially considered a touchback. If you mm-hmm. fair catch it at the 30, you get it at the 30. For the 27, mm-hmm. you get the 27. But if it's inside the 25-yard line, it goes to the 25-yard line. I At the owners' meetings in Arizona, this was brought up. I asked several people about this, personnel people around the league, coaches. And basically to a person, they said they didn't like it. They didn't like it because it's strategy. It's football. Like this is how you basically try to be better than your opponent. And personnel people said this to me, which is rosters have guys on their team. They're paying specifically to cover kicks. It's not as easy as just, we'll just cut those guys. Mm-hmm. You got money tied up, cap hit implications. If you're going to do it, wait a couple of years so teams can adjust their roster. That's not the case. The NFL did it now. I, I still, I hear what you're saying and I understand their viewpoint. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's something that will really be in play that often, unless I'm completely wrong. And maybe there's special teams coordinators out there who are like, you will try and kick it short of the goal line. And we're going to dare them to just basically take it at the 25. And we know that we're not going to give up a big return. or We know that something bad isn't going to happen or anything like that. Maybe that's the case. I just so don't what see do you that. It's ha- not going to happen that much because you're haven't we seen a lot of teams kicking it just short of the goal line over the last several years? The Bills do it a lot. Yeah. Well, they didn't do it when they were supposed to on the biggest Correct. Day. And, and by the way, and by the way, that is actually a great point to bring up that this is when it would really matter. If you're mm-hmm. in a situation at the end of a game where you try to pooch it and say, hey, just pooch kick it, that team's going to fair catch it, get it at the 25 yard line. So you're mm-hmm. right about that. But I am saying on a week to week basis, Tyler Bass, this is something they've done with him. They've asked him to kick it down to the two or three yard line, and he's done a pretty good job of that when they've asked him to do it. I guess the question is, do you know if the if the fair catch attempt is muffed? Is it a live ball? Yes, of course. Okay, so but like it's not it's just like, like a punt then. Okay, so it's just like a punt then. Um, is the rule still in place where if you if you catch it with one foot inbounds and one foot out of bounds that you get it at the forty? I would think. I don't know why would that have to do with anything. I guess it wouldn't, but I'm just saying, like, the sidelines have never really been in play. So even if they just kick it short, I, I don't know. I just think that what's the difference between fair catching it or just letting it go into the end zone and getting it at the 25? Because it's not like because I, most I, because most a lot of balls that land at the five aren't going to go in the end zone. They might come backward. They might like you just don't take that chance sometimes. Yeah, but with the Bills, don't take I, chance. yeah, I guess. You're right. I just don't think it's going to be it's that. A, it's a live game. ball once it goes 10 yards. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm just saying Unless like. Unless it goes in the end zone, that is a touchback. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I just, there are not, I know that that's something that they've tried to do. And every time they do it, the 13 seconds gets brought up and you're like, why couldn't you do that there? That's something that Tyler Bass well, is They could have squibbed it at 13 seconds and that yes. would have taken this out of play completely. And which is what I think now is just going to happen. I think teams are just going to squib kicks because then, you know, you take the fair catch rule 
out of it. You can still kick it short, and you're still hoping the chaos happens. Okay, so then my point is, then it does matter a ton if teams are going to do that. That's a I huge difference to squib kick. Like, most squib kicks are going to be fielded at, like, the 15-yard line by the up man. I just don't think the personnel makes that big of a difference. Like, I think that's teams in the NFL not wanting change. Maybe it impacts the gameplay more. But from a personnel standpoint, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I don't think okay, there's so, any. Ro- I don't think there's any roster decisions the Bills are making based off of this new rule. Uh, it's close. I, you might be right. I think about a guy like, like Tyler Medikevich. like Saran Neal. Tyler, Tyler Medic- Tyler, no, Saran Neal's different. He's a gunner on punts. Yeah, Tyler Medikevich is not. Tyler Medikevich is a kickoff tackling guy. Mm-hmm. Like, so you what think, is his use? What's his use now? Is he? You still? You can still keep him on the team and say, "Yeah, we're still going to use you like that." But couldn't you make an argument that a guy like that, who had literally has led the NFL in special teams tackles over the last several years, I don't know if he still does. I know he did as of a couple of years ago. Yeah, like that guy is getting over a million dollars a year mm-hmm. to cover kicks. That's his job. But do you really think teams will start doing the fair catching that much that you have no, not you have no need, but you make that person obsolete? Um, I do think teams will start fair catching more. Yes. Okay. I don't think it's going, I do agree with you that it's not going to lead to a lot of teams doing what you're saying because so many guys have like a Saran Neal on their team, as opposed to Tyler Medikevich, where they do have multiple roles. Even Tyler Medikevich does. He plays on punt Mm -hmm. team. He plays on kick return things like yeah. that. I, I just think this is interesting. I want to see how this is played out because why were so many special teams coaches opposed to it? Because it's a strategy to try and pit a team deep. I think they're also opposed to it because a lot of people in the NFL don't like change, even when change yeah. makes sense. And I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Now, my point is probably, I probably did a bad job of explaining it. I think my moral is just like, it really is not going to change that much. At least that's my probably. opinion on it. I really yeah. don't think this is going to have that big of a difference on a game that we watch. And if it does and I'm wrong, then I guess I'm wrong. I just don't think – I think teams are still going to trust their guys to try and make a play. So the fair catches aren't going to happen. If you're the Bills and you're paying Naheem Hines and Deontay Hardy and you're paying these guys decent money to be your primary special teams returners, you're going to try and let them make a play. You, you just are. So I, I think that's right, especially – See, here's what where it could really matter. If there are teams that say, hey, we got to just, we're going to lighten up on these guys we're paying to cover kicks. It's not going to matter. Now, the other team may say, well, if you're not going to oh. prioritize covering the kick, we're mm-hmm. going to return it down your throat. Yeah, you might be right. I just think that it's one of so, those. Go ahead. You were like, about to say. So, so I do think a guy like Naeem Hines would come into play even more so as a return man in that play. You tell them, mm-hmm. hey, just take it down. They don't have the guys to cover the kick. But, I think from my standpoint as a return, if I'm if I'm the special teams coach, mm-hmm. I think I'm instructing my guys to fair catch if it's near the five, if it's near the two three yard line. I'm just gonna we're just get get to the twenty five yard line, dude. Why why risk a fumble? Why risk it? Yeah. Normally you're gonna the average starting field position is right around there anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it, it's all risk reward. It's what are you mm-hmm. looking for? Are you willing to? I think back to the Taiwan Jones play against the Steelers. When he got it in the end zone, he tried to take it out. Then he tried to run sideways, and the Bills took over at the two-yard line. Now, luckily, they had a 98-yard touchdown, so it really didn't matter. But that's the risk that you're kind of coming into play here. I think if you've got Naheem Hines or Deontay Hardy, you like the idea. Because what's the worst case? You know, obviously, a fumble or a turnover is the worst case. But 
are you really that upset if they return it and you start at the 23 or the 20? No, I agree with you. Opposed to the right. 20, you know what I mean? Like I think back yeah. to the Patriots game and you don't win that game without Naheem Hines and making those plays. So I don't know. I, I think teams might be not really receptive to the rule change because they're trying to hide things that they don't have on special teams maybe too. Like if you're not a good special teams, if you don't have good personnel on your special teams units, then maybe you would be more opposed to it. And the Bills always say how much they care about special teams. So That's this right. should be something that they favor. Um, yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're probably right. It probably doesn't change much, but I do think it will change some things here or there for some teams. And that's where I'm interested to see like what teams will try to take advantage or not take advantage. What teams will just basically say, Hey, you know, we're still going to do everything like we normally do. All right. Um, we got to get out of here. We'll do that here very quickly. Before I go, I'm going to ask you to give me, if you take a look, we've, you know, how we've talked about the bills road schedule, like in all the good yes. games, take a look at their home schedule. Okay. Take out the yep. London game. Do not count it as a home game. All right. Yep. You are a bills fan who goes to one game a year, one okay. game a year. What is the game you're going to at home this year? Ooh. Um, you can choose any think, game. What's hmm. the most att attractive game to you for whatever reason? That is a great question. Okay. I would say, hmm, this is tricky. Cause I I'm, I've, I'm between three games. Okay. Ooh. Right. The games I'm between are the uh -huh. Raiders at home, the home opener, uh -huh. the next home game, which is the Dolphins on October 1st. One o'clock, beautiful October 1st, yep. And, and the Cowboys at the end of the season. Ooh, yeah. Personally, I don't in mind. in December, though. You got to remember that. That's what I was going to say. If you were planning a trip to come to Buffalo, like if you were not in Buffalo, if you're not in Western New York, I think I would take the Dolphins game. An elite fall day against a division opponent, a good team. You probably have a healthy two at that point. It's early in the season. I want to see that game. If you're somebody who lives in Buffalo and you just go to one game a year and this is not like a trip here, then I'm taking the Cowboys game because it's not like you get to see the Cowboys in Buffalo very often. It's late in the season, so there's playoff implications. It's a 425 game, which is cool, especially at that point in the season. You'll have like the first – quarter will be light out and then it'll be dark and the lights will be on and everything. So that would be my answer. If you're local, I would say the Cowboys. If you're traveling from out of town and you want to get your Buffalo Bills experience, I'd say the Dolphins. How about you? I love the way you laid it out. I think I'd go Raiders over Dolphins though. Home opener. I want to see mm -hmm. my team win, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you never know. The Dolphins could spoil the party mm -hmm. there. Um, it's going to be beautiful. September 17th. Great time to come to Orchard Park. I debated the Giants Sunday night football against the New York Giants and Brian Dable. That's going to be cool, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. But it is a night game. It's tougher. Um, man, I even thought about the other night games, Buccaneers, Broncos. Those are night games. You think, you know, it's, a t it's cool to go to the a night game. But I think I say Raiders home opener just because that time of year, you think they're going to win. It's just it's it's warm out. I think that's what I would choose. Guess what I did? 10 minutes before we hopped on this podcast to start recording. Bought tickets to the Raiders game. Uh, no, uh, I oh. booked my flight. I booked my flight to London is what I did. Love it. When you going? Yeah. So I'll leave Wednesday. It's, right. But, you know, with the time difference, it, it really is just kind of a lost day. So getting yeah. super late on Wednesday evening and then boots on the ground, get started on Thursday. It's going yeah. to be nonstop and it's going to be awesome. I know there's, I, I've heard 
from so many Bills fans who are trying to make this trip. So many Bills fans. So I'm excited to kind of see how many people ultimately end up going. I can tell you I know of two Bills fans who are definitely making the trip, and that is my parents because they also booked a flight to get to London to go watch the Bills play. So they're very excited about that too. So uh, it'll be cool. I can tell you two more fans, my wife and son. They will be there. Yeah. There you go. So they'll be in Germany, be- then France, then London. They they, they get to they're, they're making an excursion out of it. And then I get to go basically for a couple of days. Yeah. So basically what I'm thinking, too, is I'm glad you brought up the Germany and Paris or France point, because yeah, that's something I think my parents are trying to do, too. There they're going to go. hop on a train and they've never been to Paris. So what a cool way to knock it out that you're already over there. You hop on a train, you go to Paris for a day and then you come back and then you watch the Buffalo Bills play football. Talk about a culture, just shock of two different things of like, oh, go have wine and cheese at the base of the Eiffel (laughs) Tower and then get on a train and then you watch the Bills play the Jags for some good old Buffalo fun. All right, we got to get out of here. Thanks for joining us as always. Subscribe, download all that neat jazz, YouTube on video as well, at Sal Sports is the YouTube channel. But of course, all the audio that you could ever need at Always Game Day in Buffalo is right there at iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app. Matt, Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo. And um, Matt, I mean, have a great Memorial Day weekend, buddy. I don't know what you got planned. It's going to be beautiful out, though. I am playing my third and fourth round of golf of the year tentatively. I am playing in a tournament this weekend. So we'll see how I do. I think I've heard from people that your handicap skyrockets when you have a child. And I have not. I've maybe played once since I had our daughter, so it's going to be ugly. It's going to be very ugly, quite frankly. How about you? You got any big plans? Uh, yeah, we have a baseball tournament, actually, um, a Little League tournament. So it was always a good Memorial Day tournament going on in North Buffalo. Show shown. Come on out, watch some kids play baseball. But, yeah, we got a baseball tournament going on, and um, I'll, I'll try to get a little golfing eventually. I mean, I did play a little bit. I'm, I'm playing now uh, on a Wednesday night league with some of the WGR guys. A uh, little nine-hole Delaware Park action, so that's cool to get my golf fix in. But otherwise, yeah, otherwise going to be a lot of baseball this weekend. So enjoy, enjoy the weekend with um, you and your family, and enjoy the weather out there. And everybody have a great, happy, safe, healthy Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you next time, and it's always game day in Buffalo.